Thank you, Ron. Good morning, everybody. Sure is. Uh, Brother Ron, you might have to help me move this up a little bit. I need to have it on the tall setting. <laughs> That's good. Great. So blessed and honored to be with you this morning as we worship God together and enjoy His presence and enjoy His mercy, His grace, and His love. And as I look out uh, among the congregation, I see some familiar faces and those of you that I've not had the pleasure to meet yet, but, but uh, such a joy and an honor to be here. Real quickly, before I get into the message that I believe God has put upon my heart, we do have a small resource table in the back. Um, we have some items back there. We have some books, uh, mini books and regular sized books that we believe will be a great encouragement to your faith. About three and a half years ago, uh, I began to write a book that, uh, uh, that I'd been thinking about the, the main thrust and the main idea of the book for quite some time, and it just seemed that this was the time to begin to put it down on paper. And so I wrote a book called, Will the Real Church Please Stand Up? Rediscovering God's Purpose for the Church Today. It's a very hard-hitting book, but I believe that it's very... Uh, at the same time, encouraging. It's a strong exhortation for Christians to get back to God's original dream and plan for the church, the purpose of the church. Why are we here? We're here to impact the world for Jesus. Amen? And so that's back there. And there's a number of other good books back there that will help you and strengthen your faith. And then I also want to let you know that we publish a, uh, a full-color uh newsletter quarterly four times a year and we have a number of these back there I believe that we may have enough for each family to have one not each person to have one but each family and um, so uh, we would like for you if you so desire if you'd like to receive this when it comes out four times a year next month we're going to launch a email newsletter we did that for a time, but it's, uh, and we kind of laid it aside, but we're going to rekindle that and refashion that and redesign that. But if you would like to uh, get on our e-newsletter mailing list, it'll be brief, it'll be short, it'll be pictures, it'll be quick to read, keep you up to date as far as where we are, where we're going, uh, what, what we're seeing uh, as we travel around the world in the United States and, and minister. We have a number of these brochures with a card inside, and if you would take a moment and fill this out, we'll put you on our e-newsletter mailing list, and we'll also put you on our printed uh, newsletter list, and um, again, you'll be able to keep abreast with what we're doing. In this newsletter that is back there now, we are involved with a group of Messianic Jews in northern Galilee. We travel there twice a year. And we go and we minister in the main congregation and we minister in the uh, seven or eight outreaches that they've launched in the last uh, ten years. And uh, they are an amazing group of people that are doing an amazing work for God. They're advancing the kingdom of God in northern Israel and, and really uh, even now into Jerusalem. But uh, anyway, uh, the ministry is called Rivers of Living Water Israel. And you'll see some great things that they're doing in this, in this newsletter. And we thank God for the opportunity of being able to partner with them and help them and, and teach and, 
and minister and pray for folks and just see Jesus show up in a wonderful fashion and great move of the Holy Spirit taking place in Israel today, despite all the, all the things that we see on the news, Jesus is on the move in Israel once again. And so we thank God for the privilege of, of being hooked up together with them. So again, if you'd like uh, to find out more about us, these items and resources are back there. And uh, I'll be back there at the close of the service to help you answer any questions you might have. But right now, I'd like you please to, if you would, to open up your Bibles to 2 Timothy, 2 Timothy chapter 1, 2 Timothy and the first chapter. Father, we give you praise and glory and honor this day. We, we bless your name. We honor you. We worship you. We thank you for your goodness and mercy. We thank you for your loving kindness, your favor, your faithfulness, your unconditional love that you lavish so freely and wonderfully upon us. We thank you for your grace, your divine enablement in our lives, and we thank you once again for a blessed opportunity to minister your word today by the power and the unction of the Holy Spirit. And in advance, Lord, we give you all the praise, we give you all the glory, and we give you all the honor for this and for all things in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. In 2 Timothy, the first chapter, for the sake of time, I'm going to start reading at uh, verse number 3. Of course, this is Paul writing to Timothy, his son in the faith. And in verse number 3, I'm reading this from the NIV. The rest of the scriptures that I'll be quoting will be from the King James Version. But in verse 3, Paul says, I thank God whom I serve. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day, I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. Verse 5, I'm reminded of you, I'm reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that now lives in you also. Now verse 6, for this reason... I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you by the laying on of my hands. For the spirit that God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Of course, the King James says, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, thank God, but of power and of love and a sound mind. What I want to key on today is the fact that when Paul wrote this letter to Timothy by the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Paul did not, did not tell Timothy to ask God to stir up the gift of the Holy Spirit in him. He said, Timothy, you stir up the gift of God. You do something about the ongoing indwelling presence of the Holy Spirit the ongoing empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Timothy, you stir up the gift of God. And so I began to read, I was reading this just the other day, and it, dawn, it dawned on me that so many times we as believers are asking God or other people to help us in areas and, and to do things for us that God has empowered and graced us to do for ourselves. And so it, 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 it became very clear to me that we are the ones as believers that are responsible 
to keep the condition of our souls and our spirits aflame with love for God, it's our responsibility as believers to stir up the gift of God. It's our responsibility as believers to feed, to cultivate, and maintain our relationship with God. Nobody else can do that for us. People can help us. Other people can uh, uh, inspire us. Other people can teach us. But ultimately, we are the ones who determine the quality of our walk with God. Our walk with God is very personal. Nobody else can live it for us. Nobody else can make the decisions that you and I need to make concerning our relationship and our attitude towards God. And I think we'd all agree with that. But remember, it was God who initially took the initiative when sin entered the human race. God is the one that took the initiative to do something about the plague of spiritual death that blighted every human being that was born after Adam and Eve. God took the aggressive, uh, an aggressive stance. He aggressively pursued us when we were lost in sin, when we were dead in sins and trespasses. He pursued us with love, with mercy, with forgiveness. And we've got to remember that He's not just Almighty God. He's not just the great Creator. He's our Heavenly Father. And as a father, his dream was to have a family of blood-washed, redeemed, forgiven children who would willingly love him, obey him, and serve him. And so we've got to understand that there's certain areas in our life that it's our responsibility. There are certain areas in our life. Any relationship, if it's going to be fruitful, it's got to be fed. It has to be cultivated. It has to be maintained. And so in order for you and I to maintain a rich and a growing and a fruitful relationship with God, in order for us to touch this world in a mighty way with the good news of Jesus Christ, to make a great impact in the world, the church is here to make an impact in the world. We're not just here to occupy space. We're here to represent the resurrected Lord Jesus Christ, full of glory, full of power, full of the Holy Spirit, full of compassion, full of love, and full of mercy. That's why we're here. So in the time that we have remaining, I want to just look at a few areas in our life that we need to constantly maintain and cultivate, areas that it's our responsibility to exercise every single day. First of all, The first area that I want to deal with is our attitude towards the Bible. Our attitude towards God's holy written word. Our attitude towards Scripture. When I went to Bible school, the founder of the Bible school out in Oklahoma had a a, a saying that he was very fond of of, uh, reiterating time and time again. He would hold up the Bible and say, the Bible is God speaking to you. And then he would say, point to your neighbor and tell them the Bible is God speaking to you. And then point to your other neighbor and say, the Bible is God speaking to you. And then he would say, point to yourself and say, the Bible is God speaking to you. Do you know that's what this book is? It's a love letter from the Heavenly Father. 
It's a love letter from Jesus. Written to who? Written to you. The Bible is the revelation of God's character, God's purpose, God's nature, God's love. Who would not want to get a deeper understanding and appreciation of God's compassion, His faithfulness, the, the things that He longs to carry out and perform in our life, the things that He's already done for us, the things, the blessings that He's already prepared for us, the things that He has laid up in store for our future, and, and, and so on and so forth. You know, we all remember that when Jesus was baptized in the River Jordan, the Holy Spirit led Him into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil for 40 days. And you remember that when the devil began to tempt Jesus, the first temptation was if, see, if, that he tried to inject doubt into Jesus at the very get-go of his uh, time of fasting and prayer before his official launch of his ministry, began to inject doubt in Jesus' mind by saying, if you're the Son of God, command these stones that they be made bread. Do you remember how Jesus answered him? Immediately, he didn't have to think about it. He didn't carry on a debate with the devil. He didn't try to enter into some kind of a conversation with the devil. He immediately answered the devil by saying, it is written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now we learn something here. We learn that as natural bread and natural food feeds the human body, gives us strength, gives us energy, our body partakes of the minerals and the vitamins and the nutrients that are in the foods that God created, we're more than just a body. We're more than just flesh and blood and bones. We're more than just a mind. We, human beings, are a three-part being in much the same way as God is a trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Well, the Bible clearly says He made us in His image and in His likeness. We are a trinity. We are spirit, soul, and body. In fact, in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, Paul the Apostle wrote to the church at Thessalonica and said, And I pray, God, your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Very clearly laying out the fact that we are spirit. Primarily, we are spirit. Our bodies, our flesh is just the house, the tabernacle that we live in. The real you, the real me, you can't see with the human eye. It's, it's our spirit. And so all three parts of our being need to be fed. You know, we understand our bodies need to be fed. But you know, your mind, your soul, your will, your intellect needs to be fed too. We need to be feeding our minds, challenging our intellect, feeding, reading, learning, growing. We understand that. You know, you're never too old to learn something new. We're never too old. We never reach the place in life. I don't care if you're 90 years old or 100 years old. There's still so much more to know. And so we should be constantly feeding our minds, not with trash, not with garbage, but with, with truth, with things that challenge us and stimulate us. But we have to be aware also that we've got to feed our spirits as well. And so the Bible is spiritual food. 
Jesus said, the words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. The Bible says four times in the Word of God that the just, God's people, the righteous people of God are to live by faith. Is that right? Once in, once in Habakkuk and three times in the New Testament, the just shall live by faith. Romans 10.17 says faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. How can we ever expect to be strong in faith if we're not feeding it? If we're not feeding it with daily doses of the Word of God. And, and I'll make one more point and I'll move on to number two. Do you remember when Joshua took over leadership of the Israelites from Moses? And uh, uh, there in Joshua chapter 1 and chapter 2, God has a conversation with Joshua and he's giving him wisdom. He's giving him the, uh, the, the things that Joshua needs to know. He's equipping Joshua to take the baton of leadership from Moses. And one of the first instructions that he gives to Joshua is found in verse 8 of chapter 1 of the book of Joshua, where God said to Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you shall have good success. Or as one translation says, then you'll be able to deal wisely in all the affairs of life. But what is it that would enable Joshua to do all these great things? Keep the Word of God in front of you. In other words, read it, think about it, ponder it, meditate on it, apply it to your life circumstances and situations, keep it in your mouth, speak it, and then act on it. Amen? Amen. So the Bible, God and His Word are one. They're one and the same. God doesn't say one thing and do something else. So the Bible is God speaking to us. Amen? Number two, we need to be constantly cultivating and enriching our prayer life. Don't raise your hands when I ask this question. How many of you have an ongoing, fruitful prayer life where we're not just asking God for things? Because prayer is more than asking God for things. Prayer is fellowshipping with God. Prayer is entering into His presence by prayer and supplication. Prayer is joining forces with God in the earth that the will of God may be done in the earth. God and man working together to advance the kingdom of God. Our prayer life. Are we neglecting our prayer life? The Scripture says in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, Paul said, pray without ceasing. Do you remember that right there at the end of 1 Thessalonians 5, Paul gives some what I call bullet points. He doesn't expound on them. He just lays them out. And one of the things that he says, he says, rejoice evermore. Pray without ceasing. Or in other words, never cease to pray. Never cease to pray. Prayer should be a, a, a normal response a, a, a normal, the normal response of the recreated, redeemed heart to a loving Heavenly Father. I don't know about you, but I, I, I was blessed to have a good father and still do. He's 90 years old. I love to talk to my dad. I learn something new every time I talk to him. 
There's things I didn't know about him that he's just constantly sharing with me about his childhood and so on and so forth. Well, how much more should we enjoy having an ongoing prayer dialogue with God? There's things that he wants to reveal to us. There's things that he wants to show us. There's things that he's made already made available for us that we will never know about if we don't go to him in prayer and fellowship with him and give him an opportunity to lay these things out before us. How many remember Jeremiah chapter 33 and verse 3? One of the greatest scriptures in all the word of God about prayer. Jeremiah 33, 3 says, call unto me. This is God speaking to the prophet Jeremiah. Call unto me and I will answer you. And I will show you great and mighty things that you know not of. Well, that doesn't just apply to Jeremiah. That applies to every son and daughter of the living God. Call unto me and I will answer you. And I'll show you great and mighty things which, which you know not. How many of us would realize there's some things that we don't know? <laughs> and the phrase great and mighty things in Jeremiah 33, 3, the literal Hebrew of that phrase means hidden things. God has some things hidden for us, not from us, for us, that we're never going to tap into if we don't seek Him in prayer. Prayer needs to be an ongoing discipline in the life of every believer. And you might say, but Brother Jim, when I start to pray, I get bored or I get distracted or it just it, it's hard, it's not, it's not enjoyable. I understand that, I've been there. But I can tell you something. If we will take the step of faith and just come to Him, and you don't have to pray to God in Elizabethan English, in 1611 King James language. We don't talk that way. Just speak to Him in your normal conversation. Pour out your heart to Him. Worship Him. And yes, you can ask Him for things that you need, but, but He's waiting for you to come to Him so that he can open up his heart to you and show you things. Prayer should be a dialogue, not a monologue. How many know God speaks to his children? Not in an audible voice. Those, uh, it, it could happen, but that's a rare exception. But just gives you an, he just gives you an inner knowing on the inside of you. Pray without ceasing. All through the Word of God, we see people lifting up their voice in intercession, supplication, desperation. And all through the Bible, we see God hearing and answering the prayers of His people in phenomenal ways. In fact, what do you think was the first relationship, the people that ever had the first relationship with God after the fall? While I'm asking you this question, turn to Genesis chapter 4. Who were the first people documented in Scripture that ever had a relationship with God. It wasn't the Hebrews. It wasn't the Israelites. It wasn't the Jews. It wasn't the church. It wasn't the Nazarenes or the Pentecostals or the Catholics. It was none of those people. Who, who, what group of people had the first relationship with God after the fall? Did you find Genesis chapter 4? Look at verse 25. And Adam knew his wife again, and she bare a son and called his name Seth. 
For God, she said, has appointed me another seed instead of Abel, whom Cain slew. Do you remember Cain rose up out of jealousy and slew his brother uh, Abel because God had respect to Abel's sacrifice, but he didn't have regard to Cain's sacrifice. So the first recorded murder in the Bible. But then look at verse 26. And to Seth, to him also there was born a son, and he called his name Enos. Now get this. Then, then men began to call upon the name of the Lord. At some time, some place, some situation, some circumstance. Maybe, maybe somebody's child was desperately sick. Maybe there was um, weather conditions were not favorable for a good crop. Maybe it was a tragedy in the family. Maybe it was a financial situation. Maybe it was somebody full of anxiety. We don't know what the need was. We don't know what prompted this. But at some point, somebody, a group of people began to realize that God was not just creator. He was not just the almighty God. He was a God who would hear and answer the prayers of his people. In other words, it it, it was almost as if God was saying, look, when, when you don't know what to do, Call unto me. I know what you should do. When you don't know where to turn, turn to me in prayer. I'll show you what to do. When it looks like there's no way in your life, I'll show you a way. I'll make a way where there is no way. And beloved, God has never changed his mind on this. He's still waiting for us to come to him daily and commune with him and fellowship with him. James chapter 5, verse 16, and then I'll move on to number 3. James chapter 5, verse 16, in the Amplified Version of the Bible. How many are familiar with the Amplified Version of the Bible? It's derived from the American Standard Version. I call the Amplified Bible sometimes the woman's Bible because there's more words in it. If, you've, if you're familiar with the Amplified Bible, it's got a lot more words because it brings out more of the original shade of meaning in the, in the Hebrew and in the Greek. But James 5.16 says this, The earnest, heartfelt, continued prayer of a righteous man or woman or person makes tremendous power available, dynamic in its working. Prayer will do in our lives what nothing else can do. Because we serve a God and a Father who delights in answering our prayers more than we delight in having them answered. He's a good heavenly Father. Number three, here's an area where I see believers really really neglecting this area big time. And yet, it's a privilege It's a responsibility and it's a blessing that that in the new covenant has been given to every believer. We have to daily exercise the authority that God has given us over the dethroned principalities and powers of the kingdom of darkness. We've been given the delegated authority of Jesus Christ himself over all the works of the enemy. You know, you need to understand that, that we live in the midst of two opposite, opposing spiritual realities. We have God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, and, and a, a host 
of angelic beings, too numerous to count. And thank God, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, they are for us. They are with us. They they like us. Do you know God likes you? You know, we laugh sometimes. We we sort of know in a theological way that God loves us. Well, God loves us because He has to. He's God. You know, the Bible says God is love. So He's bound Himself in a covenant arrangement, a covenant relationship with His children through the blood of Jesus. All the promises, all the blessings, all the benefits of, of being a child of God are ours through the blood of Jesus. So He, you know, and God is love. First John, uh, 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 somewhere in First John. I can't remember right now the the exact verse, but I promise you it's in there. It says God is love. But you know, He doesn't just love us, He likes us. And He doesn't love you because of your performance. He loves you because you exist. He loves you because you're one of His. But I kind of like the fact that He likes us. He likes hanging around us as much as we enjoy His presence. Praise God for that. But we live in the midst of those two opposing spiritual kingdoms. Just as, just as God has legions and multitudes and innumerable uh, angels to minister for us. You know, the Bible says, speaking of angels, are they not all ministering spirits sent to minister for those who are the heirs of salvation? Thank God we have, we have divine supernatural help, not only from God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, the Holy Spirit is called our helper. But we've got angels that have been sent to minister for us. Well, Satan has a counterfeit in his kingdom. And the atmosphere around us is permeated with demons and evil spirits. And I realize you can get off the deep end with some of these things, but yet it's a reality. But we've got to understand that these opposing forces are are just with us and around us 24-7. But thank God... The Lord has given us authority over all the works of the enemy. Over all the works of the enemy. You know, you can read, and and as I'm saying this, go real quickly to Ephesians chapter 1. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 2, it clearly teaches the truth that that when Jesus was crucified, when Jesus died, when Jesus was buried, we were crucified with him. We were buried with him in baptism. We were raised to newness of life. When he was raised from the dead, we were raised from the dead. Jesus is right now seated at the right hand of God, uh, at, at the right hand of the throne of God. And the scripture tells us in Ephesians, we're seated with him in heavenly places. So the Bible clearly teaches that we've been given authority. And I'm going to read to you in, in Ephesians chapter 1, talking about the finished work of Christ Uh, And I'm going to jump in here talking about where Christ is seated. Because if we can find out where Christ is seated, we find out where we're seated. Verse 21, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world but also in that which is to come and has put all things under his feet, that's Jesus' feet, and gave him to be the head over all things to the church which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Well, the thing about it is, your feet, my feet, 
are in my body. They don't come out of my head. Does your feet come out of your head? No. Jesus is the head. We're the body. The church, which is his body. So if all of those principalities and powers are under his feet, we're in the body, we're the feet. That means they're under our feet. Some of you missed a good place to get happy right there. Clearly taught in the Word of God. Jesus won back the dominion that Adam lost. Jesus won back the authority, the dominion. God's charge to Adam was subdue the earth and have dominion over it. Is that right? Satan came in through deception, through lies, and, and, uh, and, and stole the rightful dominion that God had given to Adam and Eve, but thank God Jesus won it back. And the Bible says in Luke chapter 10 and verse 19, Jesus turned to his disciples and said, Behold, I give unto you power. That word power means authority. I give unto you authority to tread on serpents and on scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. And he's never withdrawn that authority over the evil forces of the kingdom of darkness. But here's the thing. We've got to use our authority. Authority is released through words, not through thinking. Authority. Come on, we can relate this to our superiors at work. We can relate this to if you've ever served in the armed forces. When you're given an order, they don't send you a note. They tell you what they want you to do. Authority is released through words. And so many times, we're just being passive in these areas. And it's okay to ask for prayer, but sometimes nothing will take the place when trouble comes in your life, when the enemy comes against us. Sometimes nothing will take the place of you and I standing up boldly and asserting our authority in Jesus' name and commanding those forces of darkness to take their hands off of our situation. Is that right? That's right. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. From spiritual death, sickness and disease, poverty and lack, depression, anxiety, worry, fear. We've been redeemed. Galatians 3.13, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. What do you say we take advantage of our redemption and refuse to let the devil trouble us with things that Jesus took care of in his finished work on the cross? Anybody with me? You know one thing that we've not been redeemed from, though? We've not been redeemed from trouble. We've not been redeemed from persecution. We've not been redeemed from hardship. I mean, in terms of hard situations and, and, and things, uh, just, just, uh, just living in a fallen world. You're going to have trouble. Jesus said, in this world you shall have suffer tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. We've been redeemed from the curse of the law. We've not been redeemed from, from, from trouble. The enemy's going to continue to try to bring this and bring that and do this and do that. And besides that, when you live in a world full of fallen people and relatives, you're going to have trouble. But you know what? God's our helper. The Holy Spirit's our helper. Is that right? Yes, yes, yes. Number four, and this is it. I'll, I'll close on this. We need to... Take the initiative, as Paul told Timothy, 
We need to take the initiative as believers to stay full of the Holy Spirit. Stay full of the Holy Spirit. We're, we're born of the Spirit. We're led by the Spirit. We're Spirit-indwelled. We're being Spirit-formed as we are more and more conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. But thank God we can be filled with the Holy Spirit. But not only can we be filled with the Spirit, we need to stay full of the Holy Spirit. Paul wrote to the church at Ephesus in in Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 18, and he said, be filled with the Spirit. But if you search out the Greek language in in that verse, and you look in a concordance, or you look in some, uh, some good Bible study helps, you'll see that the, the literal meaning of that phrase is be being filled. Be being filled. In other words, an ongoing experience of staying full of the Holy Spirit. Not a one-time experience, but staying full of the Holy Spirit. And then Paul tells us how. In the, in the succeeding verses, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, uh, giving thanks always for all things unto God and our Father through the Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourself one to another in the fear of God. Those are characteristics of the Spirit-filled life, staying full of the Holy Spirit. Well, isn't that what he told Timothy? Stir up the gift of God. Fan the flames, another translation says. Uh, 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 Let the embers of of God's Spirit be ever burning, in other words. It's our responsibility. It's our responsibility. And so I just believe that that as we uh, begin, in fact, I want to challenge everyone here today as we close. I want to challenge, and as I'm challenging you, I'm challenging myself. Let's put the Word of God first place and make it the final authority in our life. Let's not let a day go by that we don't take a moment. If it's a busy day, take a moment to to just sit down for just a minute or two, five minutes, ten minutes. I'm not talking about read ten chapters a day. We'd be better off reading a few paragraphs prayerfully, asking help of the Holy Spirit and getting some revelation out of it than we would reading 10 chapters and getting nothing out of it. I want to I urge you and encourage you, feed on the Word of God every day. Secondly, if you've not already done, done it, begin to develop a consistent prayer life. Fellowship with God in prayer. Start the prayer habit. Start out small and watch it grow. I started to say earlier, prayer can be a tough proposition sometimes. But if you'll stay with it and you'll just continue to, to just share your heart with God and, and, and pour your heart out to God, something will begin to happen. I call it tapping into a spirit of prayer. A spirit of prayer where you're no longer struggling with the right words. You're no longer struggling with what to say, but, but you're, you're just pouring out your heart to God. And, and the Holy Spirit joins you and helps you. And now you're praying with the help of the Spirit of God and and. Wow, that's when wonderful things begin to happen. The prayer habit. Number three, realize that you've been given authority. Jesus said in Matthew 28, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. For that reason, you go and make disciples of all nations. So he gave us his delegated authority as believers to go into all the world and preach the gospel. Share Jesus. 
to all the people that we encounter, share what Jesus has done in our life. Let them be uh, partakers of the, uh, of the good news of Jesus. Is that right? And then number four, if you've never been filled with the Spirit, I, 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 I couldn't put this in stronger wor- words. See what the Bible has to say about the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Read the book of Acts again. See Jesus' Jesus promise. You shall receive power after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses unto me. Acts chapter 1 and verse 8. Tarry in Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. Jesus has not left us helpless in this world. He said, I'll not leave you as orphans, but I'll come again. Well, he came again in the person of the Holy Spirit, the Comforter, whom I will send in my name. I'll ask the Father, and he'll send you another Comforter. Amen? I I believe that as we begin to put these into practice daily, we're going to sense a strength. We're going to sense a joy. We're going to sense a new faith. We're going to sense a new, uh, what's the word, an an urgency, a compelling to be bolder witnesses for Jesus Christ in in the day and the age that we live in. Amen? Everybody stand up. Thank God for these blessed, wonderful things that the Lord has made available to us, but Just right now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I said earlier that it's it's our responsibility to cultivate and maintain a relationship with our relationship with God. And that relationship with God begins by receiving the greatest gift that God has ever made available to mankind. And that is the gift of eternal life. That is the gift of the experience that we call the new birth. Jesus told one of the most religious leaders in all of Israel, a man by the name of Nicodemus, you must be born again. And he was talking about a spiritual rebirth, a rebirth of the human spirit. The sin, the sin, death, nature eradicated from the human spirit and the life and nature of God coming in and inhabiting our spirits, making us clean and forgiven and cleansed and children of God. The new birth has nothing to do with joining a church. It has nothing to do with whatever denomination you belong to. The new birth has everything to do with saying, Jesus, come into my life. Give me the power to become become a child of God and give me the power through the new birth to live the life I was created to live. If there's anybody here this morning, you've never made the conscious decision. You've never received Jesus. You might have come to church for years. You might be a guest with us today. You might have a respect for God. That's good and that's wonderful. But Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I'll confess you before the Father. Everybody that Jesus ever called to serve him, he called them publicly. I want to give you an opportunity. If you've never received Jesus, or if you have walked with Jesus before, but, but you've turned your back on Him, and you know that you're not living right, you know that you've strayed away from Him, we want to give you an opportunity to come back into full fellowship with the Father God today. Is there anybody here that would be bold enough and courageous enough to make the decision by lifting up your hand and saying, Brother Jim, pray for me. I want to receive Jesus today. I'm tired of running. 
I'm tired of this emptiness in my heart. I'm tired of the, of the turmoil. I'm tired of the conflict. I'm tired of fighting this war that's raging on the inside of me. Listen, Jesus is called the Prince of Peace. And he can bring a new peace and a new joy into your life. That's what's missing in your life. Peace, joy, fulfillment. You've tried everything else to bring fulfillment and peace in your life, and none of it's worked. Won't you receive Jesus today? He's the missing element in your life. If that's you, would you lift up your hand and let me pray for you unashamedly? Thank you, sister. Is there, 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 here, here's a, a sister over here. Is there, is there anybody else? You don't know. You don't know your eternal destiny. You don't know what would happen should you leave this earth. Even today, you don't know what your eternal destiny would be. But you can settle that matter once and for all today by making Jesus the Lord of your life. Is there anybody else that would join in on this prayer? Anybody at all with the uplifted hand and we could pray for you and, and make Jesus the Lord of your life by, by just a simple prayer and a simple prayer of repentance and receiving. Is there anybody else? You know that you need Jesus. The Holy Spirit's dealing with you right now. Listen to what the Holy Spirit is saying to you. Move. Act on, on, on the, the impulse that he's, giving, that he's giving you right now to receive Jesus. The Bible says today is the day of salvation. None of us are guaranteed tomorrow. But we're guaranteed today. We're guaranteed right now. Won't you come and make him the Lord of your life? As Sister, would you come up here and let me pray for you? Is there anybody else that would join our sister in, in a a prayer to, to receive the Lord Jesus, anybody at all. Don't be bashful. Don't be afraid. Don't be embarrassed. We're family here. We're for you. We're for you as much as God is for you. Don't leave here today not knowing the state of your soul before God. Honey, come right on over here. What's your name? Jolene? Julie? Julie? You want to make Jesus the Lord of your life? The Holy Spirit dealt with you, didn't he? You sense there's something missing in your life. Or you sense that maybe you've just gone away that, that maybe you shouldn't have gone. But, but you, you sense the drawing of the Holy Spirit to the heart of the Father God. And I want to congratulate you on making the greatest decision that you could ever make. Honestly. Can you lift up your hands to heaven? Because that's where our help comes from. It doesn't come from a man. It comes from the Father God himself. Will you pray this prayer with me? And just say this with me. Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. Father, I believe that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. That he was raised from the dead to make me right with you. Jesus Come into my life. Come into my heart. Right now. Hallelujah. Jesus, come into my heart. I receive you now. I make you the Lord of my life. And I will serve you. And I will honor you. And obey you. 
all the days of my life. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. 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 God bless you. God bless you, dear. God bless you. Is there anybody else before we close this part of the service? Anybody else that wants to make that, make that, to make that same step? Well, then let's lift up our hands and just thank God for who He is, for what He's done. Thank Him for the new birth. Thank Him for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. Thank you, Father, for all of your goodness to each and every one of us today. We give you all the praise, honor, and glory for it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Brother Ron. You can go, go ahead and be seated. And we're going to take up our love offering. If the ushers will come forward. I'll be writing out a check. You can make it out to Montgomery Ministries.